0: What happens when your worst fear becomes your reality? Hi, I'm Brent Cassidy. Welcome to the Nightmare Success in and out podcast, where we explore how to overcome your fears and nightmares to set yourself free. We're going to be exploring this topic with guys I was in Leavenworth with. We're going to be talking about life before prison, life in prison, and life out of prison. These stories can be inspiring, sometimes sad, there's some humor, but hopefully you can come away with a nugget of something that will help you knock down some of your prisons you've built up in your own mind. Folks, today I have Mark Ross with me. And uh, Mark and I, of course, we're at Love and Worth together. Mark is uh, he's uh, a Big Ten Iowa Hawkeye. Actually, uh, Mark was a D1 athlete. Who actually played at Iowa and uh, played defensive line, and just to say he was a big man at Leavenworth, he was a big man at Leavenworth. And uh, Mark, I really appreciate you being with me today. Welcome,
1: welcome, Brent. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Mark, um, we were just sharing with the fact you're you're actually uh, doing some babysitting you've got a twin brother that's what three months right. or three minutes older than you and and I've yep, seen correct. the I've seen the pictures you guys are definitely twins um, so take me into your world mark so you you ended up getting uh charged in what year uh
1: 2010
0: 2010 and the charge was.
1: Um, money laundering, and computer fraud.
0: Okay. So I want to go back into this because you obviously lived a life of an athlete. You were disciplined. You know, you just don't become a D1 athlete. Tell me what your life was like in Iowa. Uh, I know you were a small town, <clears throat> but give, give us some flavor for what it was growing up. In your small town, being an athlete, and what what was going on back in your day?
1: Um, you know, like to explain, um, you know, you played every sport of what was in season. Um, and fortunately, I grew my family grew up Kitty Corner from the uh, old the old school that was in dune so the ballpark was there and a big field that we played football on and then of course had a basketball court so we were always over at the school um from sunup to sundown during the summer playing pickup baseball um during the fall into the winter didn't matter what how cold it was we were always there playing football yeah um with all our buddies and and i probably grew up Oh with you know, with my twin brother, but we probably had a core group of buddies that aged that was two years younger to two years older that we'd always get together.
0: Yeah. And
1: we actually wore our helmets, our (laughs) NFL helmets, which aren't recommended today by any means for concussion protocol. Right. Um, but we would strap it on and, and and play. I can remember my first concussion concussion that I got I had a plastic red helmet on that I got I think for my sixth or seventh birthday and I wore it over there knowing probably but I didn't know you're a kid you're going to live the life to the edge and then that's kind of how I lived my life um growing up in that I kind of grew up being a tough guy
0: yeah
1: so um you know I worked out in the morning um before school and after school and I also wrestled so I had to cut weight so you know I worked out three times a day for that in the morning after practice and then at the evening we'd probably sit in a sauna or go jump rope in a hawk confinement with our coveralls on.
0: And, and how, um, what size were you back then Mark with uh, your high school days? Uh, uh,
1: I I probably played at 280 and I wrestled at the, the heavyweight weight then was 275.
0: And you were about um, six four so six five. Cut,
1: right, uh-huh. right. So I had, you know, that, you know, aspects of working out. And then in the spring we had track and field, I was not in track. Um, my twin brother was through the shot, and the disc, and I just worked out, um, lifted and played pickup basketball and then started throwing – early spring because I played baseball and I pitched and played first base. So, um, you know, we did that. And and seeing the weight rooms at high schools today compared to what we had <laughs> was like an overgrown utility closet. Right. We had a hip sled, three benches, and two squat racks. That was it.
0: What was life like in the home with mom, dad, your siblings? Um,
1: so my dad – worked for Lyon County which is the county in Dune Iowa the county seats in Rock Rapids of course he ran a maintainer and worked heavy equipment all of his life with my grandfather Um, so he was always you know Monday through Friday when it snowed he was out plowing snows and then my mom has been a nurse for over 50 some years and she was she worked either overnights or days so watching my younger brother or sister during the day was something that my twin brother and i did and and that's how we learned how to cook
0: yeah
1: um and on the weekends we went always went up to okoboji iowa to our family camper at the resort had a boat um went on vacations um
0: pretty normal life you know good life
1: pretty pretty normal life Went to church every Sunday like normal kids do. Go to Sunday school. Um, If I remember,
0: if I remember, Mark, you said your town was about of like 850 people.
1: Yep, 850 people.
0: Yeah, that's not very big.
1: Small community, but it's growing now. Yeah. Um, You know, our the house that I grew up is still existing, so we always drive by that, Um, and where my aunt lived um in the town of Dune as well. Um, so I don't you know, with all the things I had a great home life, very supportive. Mm-hmm. We went to camps during the summer, but we also bailed hay, walked beans to corn, worked at the line at the counting fair in the summer, went swimming. Mm-hmm. We pretty much, you know, either in a went to the to Rock Rapids to the local pool there or we swam in the river. And we did a lot of fishing. So Life was good.
0: No, life sounds good. So you, you graduate from high school. Uh, you've got your eye on wanting to play football. Walk me through how right. that all happened for you.
1: So I went to a small junior college in Esterville, Iowa, Iowa Lakes Community College, and played football there. And then um, from there, um, got a preferred walk-on at the University of Iowa and and had a very eye opening experience. Um coming from a small town and even the junior college I went to wasn't very big. I mean there was parties and this and that. Um but you don't see your you know African American people, whatever. So going to Iowa into Iowa City was kind of an eye opening experience, not only with the university but the university hospitals there. It's it's just huge. It's big.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I I can only imagine coming from a place of 850 people in Iowa. I'm sure that yeah. w- that was a very protected society of, of yeah. not seeing the world. I, uh, so you get onto the campus of Iowa. I mean, I played high school, you know, sports, and I always I would have loved to have been a D1 athlete. But I can't imagine, you know, being the age you are in that environment. This is a you know a new new experience for you because it's a whole new world. Uh, and walk me through what it feels like to be a D one athlete at Iowa and being able to run on the field to a packed stadium.
1: It, it the memory will never go away, and like I talked earlier with you, even today when I go to Kinnick Stadium, I still get goosebumps watching the swarm come out to the song Black and Black by ACDC. I mean, the whole crowd erupts. Um, it, it's it's just unbelievable. You know, I mean, we can remember movies like Rudy, when he walked, when he ran through, mm-hmm. came out the tunnel at Notre Dame, and, and I've never been to South Bend, so that is a bucket list thing. But coming out of Kinnick or coming out running out, Onto the horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio at Ohio State, or yeah. um, being at Happy Valley at Penn State. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's there's just some great stadium just, experiences, yeah. and to be an athlete yeah. in a football, yeah. I, I just yeah, yeah it's just got to be exhilarating. Yeah,
1: it's it, absolutely electrifying. Your adrenaline is beyond. I mean, you're ready to run through a wall. I mean, it's 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 awesome.
0: Did it's you experience uh, that? Mark did you do you still keep in touch with the guys that were on your team or how how does that work when you're on d1 yeah, um
1: i I do um so the weekend of the Penn State Iowa game my brother and I and my nephew went and we visited met up with some buddies that I played with and then we could have came back the following week when they played purdue for homecoming but we didn't but we all usually try to get together you know, once a year, you know, whoever can make it. Um, and now on the other hand of my high school, we just had our thirtieth football reunion because we were we were runner ups in state. We didn't win we made it to the championship but we got beat. Okay. But a lot of those guys live locally. Um, a couple of buddies of mine have got inducted into our high school hall of fame. So I've been back for that, um, but I only live thirty miles from from Rock so I go back a lot. Yeah, um, to my home roots. Um, we actually went and watched them play this past Friday night in the playoffs. They got beat. So you know,
0: so you're still plugged in there.
1: Our, what's that?
0: I said you're still plugged into the whole the whole high oh, school yeah. environment. Yeah. And-
1: oh yeah, I, it, I mean, and I'm I don't know if you knew a whole lot when we were in Leavenworth together, but I basically sports and watching stuff on TV, being connected that way kind of helped my time go by. Sure. Um, you know, it, 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 it helps.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I don't think there's any doubt. Football Saturdays and Sundays at Leavenworth no. was something you plugged into because it felt right. like you could get it. Right. It was an escape, really. Yeah. Let well, your mind and escape.
1: And if, if, right. And if the Chiefs are playing – you could hear pin, a pin drop in the cafeteria. Nobody <laughs> talked.
0: That's true. Well, okay. Didn't, so then,
1: tell they go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say, let's let's walk through some. Um, you 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 get to college. Uh, you, you play Iowa. You 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 get to walk around like a rock star. Basically, you graduate. Then tell me a little bit about your business life. Where did you go into?
1: Um, I at that time um, worked in. You know, finance stuff, um, did some credit card stuff at Citibank, first premier bank card, and then um, did some stuff with Billion Automotive um, in their finance department and just kind of got bored with those three jobs kind of. And then I went into the banking industry and did that and stayed there through Oh quite a while, um like twenty years I suppose, um did that and then was approached by a few friends of mine that were into some illegal things and wanted me to help them hide their money. And they were gonna pay me X amount of dollars and I was still um out drinking and partying, using drugs myself. So I knew, you know, that would be an opportunity and nobody ever wants to turn down money. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I started helping them. And then I actually started dealing myself. Um, and, oh, I think about the end of 2009 and, and this is bizarre how this goes down. Um, I was using banks in different three states, so that made it federal because I was in South Dakota. I was using a bank in Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Mm -hmm. So anytime you go across state lines, it's federal because you're breaking the FDIC code of banking, whatever. Mm -hmm. So 2009, I think it was in spring of that, Matt Miller, the FBI agent, calls my mom. Now, I don't know if that's the thing that they know that you'll return a phone call if your mom's calling that she wants. And she tells me that this FBI guy called. And I don't know when he's going to show up, but he wants to talk to you. So I knew then and there I was done. Done. And I didn't hide it. And it took about two months. And he shows up at the door. And my brother answers the door.
0: Who looks like he
1: <laughs> Yeah. And he's got a picture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So my brother lets him in and he's like, well, I don't, you have any other identification, this and that, whatever. So my brother yells at me because I'm down in the shower mm-hmm. and this Matt Miller's here and he goes, we need to have a little visit about a few different things. And I said, well, what do you want to know? And, whatever I knew I was done with. And that's how the whole journey of going to Leavenworth, Kansas all began. Brett,
0: So walk me back a little bit, Mark, you, the guys that came to you, were they friends of yours? Uh, Did you feel obligated to get in in bed with them and help them out?
1: Well, the, the money aspects of it, I knew of them. Through friends I mean I was not by any means I'd see him once or twice a month and have drinks with them or something um, and I knew what they were doing um, how because did one you, individual, I, just
0: out of curiosity how did you know how to do what they wanted you to do um,
1: I knew that if I didn't know I knew other people that could okay so regardless um, what they wanted or whatever, I knew I was going to get that task done for them. And I did. And I just used small banks that back then, the 9-11 issues with security, with banking um, within the States and internationally was not, you could stay under the radar and not get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, But then they started asking questions about my money um, and these other accounts because my name was on them and they wanted to know what I was doing to make that money. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's how it all started.
0: So it was was in a sense it was drug related and you were more or less creating accounts to launder that money to make it. Okay. I got it. And
1: And then... And then then towards the end, um, and this is where my, my mom and dad get upset and mad and whatever, and they've forgiven me, but I used my dad's, I knew my dad had a private savings account. And he hardly ever checked it. So I knew with that aspect, I could hide money there. And then I also knew that I could get another credit card. On either one of their credit cards, so I did. So, yeah, because I was planning on running if it got too bad, and I never, I never let or never got the chance to run. And I'm glad I never did to this, to this day that I never, because that could have been a whole whole another ball game in,
0: in hand. So when he comes and knocks on the door, you said you knew you knew you knew the the gig was up. Uh, what? what time spans happened from him meeting you at your door to you deciding you're going to do a plea and what was your plea bargain
1: um they dropped it to one count or whatever but they could <clears throat> i was looking at anywhere from 15 years the max to a year in a day the year and a day to fifteen years is what the whole guidelines were, and then I ended up getting twenty four months.
0: You ended up getting twenty four months. Yep. Okay.
1: So so that would put, so that would put me at Leavenworth for three and a half years. Then correct.
0: Yeah. let Well, twenty four months would be two years. So you probably because you, you said you were at Leavenworth for four and a half years, right? Right, right. So however, however many months wow. that is.
1: Right, right. Well, we'll 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 just go with that. I'm not a brainiac. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm certainly not yeah. any good at math. The only reason I know the four and a half years is because I asked you before we got on. Uh, right.
1: I know you did. Uh, I know so, I did.
0: So, Mark. Um, you you plead and you said that there were some issues with your parents. How what what happened? What were the situation? how did you work that out or did you work that out or did it work itself out as you were going through your eleven week process? It worked,
1: its, it worked its way it worked its way out, but at first, you know, they thought my mom and dad were in cahoots with me and blah 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 and I told them no and I said, do the investigation these people, let alone don't have a speeding ticket to their name, Mm -hmm. whatever I manipulated them and them, them not even knowing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So, but they were, they were pissed because, you know, they trusted me with their life and, you know, they, my mom knew in the back of my back of her mind you know that it was drugs and alcohol or mainly drugs involved and she knew I was using so yeah I mean after she knew that and being away everything kind of worked its way out when I came home when I came home because my dad and my twin brother picked me up from the bus depot and the following weekend my mom came up to visit so you know I, I made an amends with them um, and before my dad passed away four years ago, him and I I talked to my dad and he forgave me. so that's great. you know I feel good about you know I have no regrets and I don't feel guilty. Well, I mean, I'm not I sure do, but I don't
0: Well, I'm sure Mark too I mean you you provided them a lot of pride and and uh, right. through through their life and what you did and and uh, you know mistakes you know, mistakes happen. It's, it's, you know, I always say, you know, the mistake happens and it's what do you do with that? You know, you got to use it to try to right. make sure that you can get on the right track to, to get it right. Right. Um, right. Exactly. So when you, when you finally pled and they told you, you had, uh, your sentence, uh, do, did you voluntarily surrender?
1: I did. Um, So I went to my initial hearing and he gave me a PR bond. And then it was like nine months after because um, I was trying to stay out as long as I could. And I knew I needed um, one of my shoulders replaced because I was doctoring at that time. Mm -hmm. So I had my shoulder replaced to give me more time, which gave me probably a year year and a half more so and i got documentation to to do all that but um i, the think, the, I think the wait saying. i think
0: the waiting is tough though i mean i can't i mean i i waited uh oh it is november to january for uh, middle of november the middle of january and that seemed like um a strange, strange time knowing that you're getting your next step is the one you don't want to take. So I can't imagine doing that for nine right. months. How did right. you, How did you prepare? Well,
1: basically, medicated with using a lot of drugs and drinking a lot, mm-hmm. um, and and just trying not to think about it. Um, but there there was a weekend that I could have got in trouble. And I ran away because the cops were coming, which I could have been, I could have lost my PR bond because you're not supposed to be in a bar when you're out on pre-trial. Right. So, because I actually had a federal probation officer that I had to meet with when I was on pre-trial to let him know this and that and the other, Um, he never came to my house, but I had to either call him, um, fax my pay stubs in, this and that, and the other. Mm-hmm. So so doing that aspect and finding out what I did, I kind of kept my nose clean and spent a lot of time at home mm-hmm. hanging out, you know, whatever.
0: So take me to uh, Leavenworth. You, you voluntarily surrender, drive up to the big, ugly right. uh, penitentiary where they process everybody stand down at that gate, uh, what's going through your mind?
1: Um, what have What have I gotten myself into? And I just tried, I don't know, I talked to a couple guys on the bus that were also going to the camp, um, and they were a little bit old. I mean, there was one gentleman I think that was in his late 50s, And then I can't think of his, his last name was Grammer.
0: Oh yeah. Dave Grammer.
1: Yep. Yep. He was on that bus. um, And a couple other guys, Uh, Jeff, Jeff Frost Mm -hmm. was on there. And then, uh, oh, I can't remember. But anyway, um, because I was in the hole, I was Monkman to Grammer. Mm -hmm. in the hole before we were taken down to the camp, um, the next day, because I was at Leavenworth and you were a part of it. I think they had cots. So I slept on a cot up in B2 for like a month. That
0: was because it was overcrowded.
1: Yep. Just a little bit. What? uh, When you you were getting,
0: go ahead, Mark.
1: I'm just going to make a, uh, a a joke. The, (laughs) the cuisine and food there was second to none. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm glad I went there because I think the food made me healthier.
0: <laughs>
1: That's a joke. And you know that, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I was, I was working at the food warehouse. I got to see all that food and a lot of it was expired. Yeah. So <laughs> was, oh yeah. There, there was, um, uh, there was reasons why it didn't taste good. So, uh, no. So you were there with getting in and and you stayed a night in the hole. Why did they keep you for a night in the hole when, when you arrived? Because they were overcrowded?
1: because uh, they were waiting we were there were people in our cots and they were getting out the next day or mm-hmm. I don't know the whole story. But this was August. Yeah. So it was it was nice and cool in Leavenworth, Kansas in August.
0: Mm-hmm. It being very sarcastic because in August in Lo- in Leavenworth we also didn't have air conditioning, so you got to feel, no, you got no. to feel the weather in and out.
1: Yeah, yeah, and me being a husky gentleman, um, Brent, um, I tend to sweat. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're laying in your cot sweating profusely, it's not a good issue.
0: So. Your first day, your first experience. What what's what's going through your mind? How are you getting set up? Are you running into people? Uh, are you asking questions? Uh, you haven't been here before, so what's what's the uh, what's Mark Ross doing?
1: Um, there were a few guys up in B two that kind of helped me out with different things. You know, you, of course, I went to the chapel that evening to get my Toilet trees, because I really wanted to shower, and I had another gentleman give me a pair of tennis shoes because those boots just aren't going to work.
0: That's a common theme, and I
1: got a pair. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) and and the other thing, Mark, I wanted to go back and and just so for the listeners, there is something unique, and I don't know if it happens at all the prisons, but when you're a new prisoner. Uh, you don't have toiletries. They don't give you toiletries. Uh, you, you don't have any. And what they do is the prisoners basically pool together toiletries uh, to give to new prisoners. And then you go down to the chapel at 9 o'clock that night, and they give you yep. the toiletries, you know, the toothbrush, the toothpaste, soap, shampoo, those type things, just to get yourself set up, which – means a lot at that time because you don't have that you know you're and like you said somebody giving you tennis shoes is is a yeah. huge gift because walking in those boots they don't bend <laughs> they're they're Sorry. like walking in bricks you can't really no. tell from the outside how bad they are you know the, I've seen pictures no. you know and they're like well I don't think those boots look that bad well <laughs> they don't look that bad from a picture but no. man are they bad yeah
1: they do, they look fabulous
0: in a locker and that's what they need to say exactly so uh mark how do you get what's your your environment in this unfamiliar world do you have a strategy of how you're going to take on this new world what what's what's going on in your head about what are you going to do you you've lived a different life and you've been a d1 athlete you've been a rock star and you've had a, a a you know, you've know you made money out there in the world, and now you're in a cot with probably not even a locker. You've got a box, and you've just been given some toiletries. What? How are you handling things, and what are you doing?
1: Um, basically, um, I read a lot of books. I walked outside <clears throat> because they don't let you go look for a job until – or you can go look for a job, but they don't give you a job until after orientation. Right. So I sat around and drank a lot of coffee in the morning, and after the second day, <coughs> made sure that I hit from Swanson because if he seen you doing nothing, he was putting you to work. Right. So, and and everybody told me to be well aware of Mister Swanson.
0: And and so. That there's two there were two counselors in this world that we lived in. There was Swanson, yep. who was the terrible bad cop who was just demented. And then there was Goodwin, yep. who was the good cop who yep. really yep. was trying to do the right thing by the inmates and really didn't treat you like an inmate. and that was an unusual thing in the in the prison world.
1: because yeah. yeah. I was fortunate to finish up when he came on after the retired guy. Swanson switched me over to Goodwin, which was a good
0: thing. It's a good thing. I had Goodwin also. Yes, and he always yes. told me, Brent, remember, I am your counselor, not Swanson. Yeah. So you did yeah. end up. You did end up, Mark, getting a, a job because I remember I was working at the food warehouse, and you'd run up there. We'd touch base when you were on the mower. Uh, yeah. But I do. You did something that is probably going to live an In infamy for Leavenworth and it's probably the story still being told to other new inmates. Can you tell me the story of the day that it happened?
1: Um, so when I first started at landscaping, I was put on the weed eater crew and drove the tractor. So this afternoon we were going up to take care of everything up at the warden's hill which is the highest point looking over Leavenworth. And probably, depending upon the weather, you could probably see 10 miles on both sides.
0: A very Um, unusual thing in Kansas.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So we are, you know, I've been driving and it was a hot day. And I had been driving that tractor pretty hard. Needless to say, it was probably a 1960 something Ford tractor. So, you know, the equipment wasn't uh, up to par. Right. Um, And with inmates repairing it, it would probably it was just like a band aid. So, whatever. So anyway,
0: and you're pulling uh, you're pulling a wagon of inmates.
1: Yep, a flatbed with wagon on it and. There's probably seven inmates with their weed eaters um, and we're coming down the hill and I'm picking up speed. I'm trying to drop a gear and it won't. There's no brakes and the clutch is gone. So I yell back and tell the guys, hang on because this isn't going to end good. So I'm, proceeding down the hill and there's a cables with wooden pillars that this cable goes through and I in thinking fast that I need to hit that cable somehow to slow me down enough and hang on and I was turning and I rolled the tractor to its side and the guys in the back went flying and the the flatbed rolled over as well,
0: which you were lucky you didn't get killed with the tractor rolling right
1: off. Right on a so speed, I right I pin, pinned to my leg um, somehow up in the housing area where the brake and the clutch were, and I gashed my forehead, fractured my skull, and bruised some ribs. Um. And yeah I, so, uh, all when, this... I woke, when I woke when I woke up I just made sure that I could see and I could move you know some things whatever but I knew my head hurt so I knew I was alive so
0: it was definitely the talk of the prison that this had happened and walk oh, yeah. me walk me through what happened after this
1: so I you know, I obviously took an ambulance ride and didn't even stay overnight. They brought me back later that afternoon and I got um, a shot for driving carelessly or something with endangerment. I don't know. But my boss at landscaping got it thrown away.
0: It didn't, um, and a shot. That was all Swanson. Mark, a Marcus shot. Flaunting. Yeah. Just, I just want everybody to follow along with our, our uh, oh, prison lingo.
1: A yeah, a disciplinary write up. Right. But we called shots.
0: And they were shots. And if you got, you know, uh, and they were levels, there were levels of shots. If you got, uh, a first right. level shot, you could spend more time in prison and it can add to your right. sentence. Uh, some other right. shots can put you in the hole for a few days or some some people for yeah. 30 days and they come back looking different. So you you go, you come back. I remember you coming back. I mean, you were bruised up and, um, you know, you looked like you'd been in a bad car accident and you'd actually been in a bad tractor accident. Amazingly right. enough, I can't believe that the guys that got thrown didn't end up, any worse than what it was. It was like they got thrown and just,
1: yeah, just scraped up. And that was about it. Cause they checked them all out. Yeah. So, and I was fortunate. I mean that none of them could have got, you know, they could have been easily hurt worse than they were or even killed.
0: Yeah. No, it was, a it was <laughs> a, as bad as it was. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. and and right. there's really no way to explain yep. the size of this hill because it's, it's, uh, it's a large hill to where the driveway has to zigzag to go up to the warden's house. Yeah. There, there's no way to get yep. it the other way. So Mark yeah, it you,
1: winds around, I think twice.
0: Mark, you get, uh, what are the different places that you lived in the prison? Uh, as you were getting closer to the door, uh, what was going through your mind about getting back out?
1: Uh, just that <clears throat> no know, people knowing what I did, um, and explaining to them, you know, cause I was going to the halfway house in Sioux Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know at the time, have a clue what I was going to do. I mean, I really didn't want to humble myself and go work at McDonald's or fast food mm-hmm. um and i knew i couldn't do anything to be around either cash or credit cards right because that was the stipulation of probation so i really i don't know i really didn't have you know i prayed about it um but i don't know i just being locked up in in being there that long having that much time to think about things Mm -hmm. i knew that i i would it would figure out itself and i'd be okay i mean i'd come this far rolled the tractor i'm in leavenworth kansas what more Mm -hmm. else could happen is worse as what's going on now yeah so i knew you know and and my twin brother had a lot of contacts um you know so just talking and then you know i don't know i was i was you know and and you know this but if you have people i'm gonna back up a little bit so during prison i don't know if you knew or realized or it came or i mentioned it to you i never had any visits so um when i was waiting to go to leavenworth back then I, I, and what I'm talking about is my family, how they're going to, how my mom and dad are going to react. Because mm-hmm. um, I got a letter from my mom, and what we talked about earlier, she never says the F word. Well, I got a, a two word letter, F off, from my mom wow. on my 40th birthday. So I knew I had a lot of time to think about. Mm hmm. Um, so that was on the back of my mind, but I had talked to my mom a month prior, I don't know, something, I had money, I had money on my phone, so I called her or called them or I don't know what it was, but I talked to her and, you know, she told me she loved me and so did my dad and I knew that I was going to not only have work ahead of me on probation but also trying to heal Mm -hmm. with my family. You know, my twin brother and I were, we're okay. We're we're okay. And my younger sister, I knew my younger brother was going to be a hard one because he was remarried. Um, and I didn't know his new wife. So I knew, you know, I had some things there, but that I needed to work on, but not only other than that, I have, um, I had four at the time nephews. Now I have five. Um, But getting to know them as well was going to be, you know, and just.
0: I would think that would have had to meant the world to you, though. Getting that phone call and and them telling you that they loved you after you had been sitting with that for a while. That had to had to fill you up to know, hey, I've got I've got steps to take, but this is going to this is going to work for me yeah
1: right right well and, and you know that as well as i do is you know like i said prior <clears throat> in the podcast you know i don't blame my mom and dad for anything growing up or the ethics and the morals and the respect and breaking the law that they taught me everything it was all beat not them mm-hmm. i mean i listened to some speakers once in a while and, and preferably some alcoholics anonymous, they'll blame their mom and dad. And that's, to me, that's the biggest turnoff because you and I know they didn't force you to do anything. You made the choice.
0: There's a choice. So,
1: you know, I look at that as well, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I know the difference between right and wrong. and, And I know that you did. And other guys that have been on this podcast, too. But, I mean, I don't care what anybody says. It's, nobody forced you to do whatever. You made the choice. And, like, I talked to you about Jason, too, uh, prior to that, with what he said of, uh, you think you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof and you have that macho, I'm a badass come and get me type of deal. And then I had that mentality 100%.
0: Yeah. And that's usually so, when things happen that are, you know, that you, you feel like nope. you're, you can't make a mistake. And if, if you do, you can cover the mistake and, and uh, you've, you've right. got a lot of confidence and sometimes well, confidence and, and arrogance. Can be... I look at it, right.
1: Right. But you look at it too, Brent, of Growing up and being on top of the world, things are great 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 and then it takes a you know that's the whole you know that that's when it comes down to you're stuck in that lifestyle and you don't ever want
0: to get out of it it's like Corbin said the other day he was on the podcast and he was talking about that there were just little choices a little choice a little choice a little choice and then all of a sudden he was on that path and the other part of the good path wasn't as recognizable because he'd he'd gotten step by step into the wrong path. So Mark, you get out, um, you get back home. What was all that like getting back into your world and your society, your friends, your people, you know, right.
1: So I'm at the glory house, which is the halfway house for federal guys on probation, getting out of prison (laughs) So that's where I went and um, didn't do a whole lot the first week, whatever, because the only thing you could go to was AA and you had to go to four a week, I don't know, whatever part of programming. But anyway, and <clears throat> what I'm about ready to tell you guys about when I was in Sioux Falls is – you know, I, I go to church regularly, but what happened when I went to church that Sunday and this is bizarre, this guy used to be in the inner circle that I used to party with and went to work for the three other guys. Well, he is now a pastor at this church that I'm going to. And I see this guy. Wow. And his name's Pastor Monte Gannon. He's Moved on from Sioux Falls and now is in Omaha, Nebraska, as a pastor. Started a church there um, in one of the suburbs, Bellevue, I think, or Papillion. Well, anyway, small story short. So I see this guy, and I'm like, why is he here? You know, because I'm like, I can't even go to church, and I'm home a week, and I'm seeing somebody from my past. So whatever, church goes on, and this guy gets up and speaks. Well, so then after church, he comes and he goes, I hear, hey, Mark, hey, Mark. Well, I'm, I'm thinking this is a, the guy that's preaching that just got done with Pastor Monty. It's somebody else. And I'm just ignoring because I'm thinking, well, they probably know my brother, whatever. Because that does not happen all the time. Go somewhere. Somebody starts talking to you. um, You just let him go. Yeah. I, yeah. Whatever. So anyway, he goes, well, I'm Pastor Monty. I'm the the pastor here at Celebrate Meadows here in Sioux Falls. He goes, what have you been up to? I said, are you kidding me right now? He goes, what about? He goes, I go, so you don't know where I've been? He goes, no, I heard you left for a while, blah, 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 whatever. I'm blown away that he doesn't know, but. That I went to federal prison, but anyway, this main campus they had two churches, one on the east and one on the west. Well the, the west side was where the all the church offices were, this and that and the other. He goes, "What are you doing for work?" I said, "Nothing." He goes, "Tomorrow morning, I'll call the Glory House for you, and here's some money for bus passes. You can start coming to our church and doing computer work." whatever this, that, the other, I can get you out of there five days a week. How's that sound? And I'm like, okay. So it was kind of bizarre what happened. And, you know, and then I went after there, I went and worked for a buddy, another buddy of mine that um, sold fitness equipment, home gyms, treadmills, did commercial uh, fitness equipment. So I helped deliver um, equipment with his son.
0: So, oh. yeah. That is very... And then uh, I had to have... it's that yeah. really something.
1: And then, right, and then with the tractor accident, there was a lot of other things. So before I came to Leavenworth, I already had artificial knees and I knew I re-injured really my knee at Leavenworth during that accident and I knew I re-injured really my shoulder. So... Um, I left, I had to have my shoulder done and then I had to wait six months and then they did my knee. Um, so right before Thanksgiving, now I got out in September, um, from Leavenworth and I was go, I was home the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So, yeah. And I actually came back. I came back to my mom and i moved in with my mom and
0: dad yes and things seemed like they were starting to heal with mom and dad yeah that's great tell tell me a little bit mark about you were talking about to me earlier that you've been places to speak to kids can you talk about that
1: um I've spoke to several FCA fellowship of Christian athletes groups, um, here in Canton and Sioux Falls, um, youth groups around. Um, I used to go, um, to the treatment center where my mom worked, um, and spoke. What's your message?
0: What's the message that you're giving them? Just
1: basically like what you and I talked about a few minutes ago about, making the right choice of, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you have nobody to blame, but yourself because you decided to go down, down that path and you could should have took a right and you took a left, mm-hmm. you know? And, and when I talked to youth, it, it's about just taking life for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I said, what you hear from other athletes, that are playing professionally, other than myself, may it be male or female, or you know, we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I try to tell them that I didn't never use any illegal drugs, as in steroids or anything like that. Um, I just, I did lift a lot, but I try to, I, I try to get a good plug in for the state of Iowa and tell them I'm farm strong.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: since. I was all about America needs farmers.
0: That's right.
1: So, you know, and it, it's just, nobody can do it for yourself because kids today doing athletes, have playing sports and being an athlete, it's 110%. And I, and, and I'll back up. I still, umpire girls softball over in Iowa with my twin brother. Um, and if you would come to a game, any one of you listening or you Brent, you would be amazed of what the shit we hear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad. I've never talked to anybody. My twin brother has a couple times. He actually threw, threw a fan out and it come to turn out, it was the head coach's husband of the <laughs> oh, team goodness. that they were umpiring. Yeah. Well, so, um, Mark, you
0: know, but what? I, I was wanting to know, you know, when you go and talk to those kids and, you know, you you lived that life of an athlete that, uh, you know, you got to play that the, the sport that you wanted to play at, the place you wanted to play it. And I think that message would mean a lot coming from somebody like you. Does it fill you up? Does it make you feel like you're making a difference when you go and do that?
1: It, it, you know, I do believe that I, you know, somewhat make a difference. Um, and I try to tell them the whole point of, you know, I never made it to the big time, but I did make it to the big time of knowing um, that it's all on you. I mean, you can't depend upon your mom and dad, you know, and, there there are a few i mean it's t- there is a lot of kids out there today that don't have and don't want to put in the dedication because they'd rather be on their phone or you know i mean my nephew my twin brother's son is he's always on snapchat or you know and what's bizarre he's friends with all these his buddies and, and guys and girls They don't even have their phone numbers. They communicate on Snapchat. Mm -hmm. So, you know.
0: Different world.
1: It is a different world. So, you know, I know that, you know, I coached for a a few years with a buddy of mine. And even the coaches that I had, the coaches now are way different because you can't be old school and just rip them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you... You can't yell. Yeah. You can't. I mean, yeah. the only disciplinary that they can still do is make them run. Yeah. So, but you know, and and it, and it all comes down to you know, hang out with the right people. And I try to tell, I'm not try to tell them when I'm talking that you know, my story might be similar to people that you've listened to, but I'm I'm hoping that you'll get one key thing out of me visiting with you guys. Um, And then what I also like to do with them is break it down into small groups. Mm -hmm. So then they can know, you know, this one, this, this one gentleman was freaked out because he asked me all about Leavenworth, Kansas, Mm -hmm. but he didn't realize that I was in a camp and not in, Mm -hmm. um, because he said his, he was on, they, he, his family went to worlds of fun or something in Kansas city and they drove by the prisons
0: because mm-hmm.
1: of the history. Right. So,
0: yeah. Well, Mark being out and, and getting back adjusted to life. What do you think you, what do you think you appreciate about being out of prison and being free?
1: Well, uh the, and I don't know if you do, but there are times that during the week that, and it was bad when I was out and you asked me to reflect on this question and and you said you did as well of being somewhere at four and ten.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it took, I'm not I'm being straight and honest. It took me a year
0: mm-hmm. to get over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's real. And yeah, I, you know, when you asked me if I had any trauma or, you know, PSD or whatever, I, I did it first because there were a few times and I don't know if you were ever a part of that or ever had to go to the cafeteria and make lunches for the prison up top. Did you ever?
0: The bag nasties. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll never forget going up there in the food trucks. I rode along. I don't know who it was, Well, who all went, but we walked inside and there was still blood splattered all over yet from the stabbings or whatever.
0: Well, and that what, what yeah. happened, just to explain that real quick, when, when the, uh, when there was something bad that happened up top, yeah. uh, we would, they would all be locked down. And so the yep. people in the camp had to make these bad, they had to make these, uh, lunch, and put them in these bags and then those were delivered up to the top. And uh, it was nasty, but it yeah. was th- yep. that's what they were eating and that's what they got for their lockdown.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you were lucky enough, one of your buddies took a loaf of bread and walked out of the cafeteria with it and made peanut butter sandwiches for a stamp that night, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. <Everybody, laughs> a stamp could get you a sandwich.
1: Yeah, you can – postage stamps will get you anything
0: yep. in prison. Yep, if you got enough stamps. Yep. So, yep. Mark, wrapping up here, what – do you have anything you'd like – well, first of all, is there say anything I didn't ask you that you want to part with the, the listeners here uh, about whatever you think as Mark Ross? Um,
1: I – you know the the whole stigma of people that go to prison you know people think you did something far worse whatever this and that and the other and and the truth be told and i don't know how you feel about this but there is probably about 10 guys including yourself brent and jimmy stroby um and a few other guys, um, Troy Poston, mm-hmm. Bradford. Um, I communicate with them on Messenger mm-hmm. and I talk to Stroby occasionally on the phone. And have gone down to Kansas City, um, and I'm out with them. Not every person in prison's a bad guy, we're all pretty decent dudes trying to do our time. And, and I'm a pretty easygoing guy until somebody really does something, but. I'm a talkative, open guy. So there are a lot of good people that were at Leavenworth that I can honestly say I'd still call friends today. And we're not all that bad of people. We just made bad choices.
0: I, I second that and agree with that. And, you know, the, the stigma, you know, you get the tattoo basically on your forehead that you're an, an ex-felon or an ex-inmate. And yeah. the you have to live through that step through that and especially as when right. you come home you have to uh know that that's gonna ama- make it's a it's harder uh because right. getting a job or trying to find your way um, All right. All that, right that that ex-felon right. thing has you know you, it's hard to get wash it off your skin but uh i do i do think that there are a lot of decent guys that um you know end up on the wrong path but you know, and that's one thing I like about being able to have these stories to share on the podcast is, is that more of it is and I, you know, the reason why it's called Nightmare Success is you, you, to get to where you want to go, you have to cross through a lot and your nightmares and your fears to get where you want to be. And I feel like, you know, Mark, you're in a good place. You know, you've, 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 you've hit things head on, walk through it. You know, you you knew you needed to heal things with your parents. Uh, You walked right back into the place where you grew up. You're giving back. You're talking to people. You're talking to youth, and you're using it. And I think, you know, out of anything that we can take from our experiences, if we can actually take it and use it, uh, and and it could benefit anybody, that, that makes us feel good.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Mark, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I, I appreciate having you as a guest. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Complete honor, Brent. And and it, it's great to see that you're doing as well as you are. And doing this podcast is, I think, is absolutely phenomenal that we can get our stories out there as
0: well, thank you. I appreciate that, Mark. And and for all of you who listen, I so appreciate the likes and the follows, subscription. Uh, so everybody, Nightmare Success, in and out. Thanks for being here today. Mm-hmm.